get set here one second. As Forrest said, my name is uh, Zach with uh, my wife Rebecca over there. We've been married for a little over a year. And um, although I am American by accent, as you can probably tell, she is British, so I kind of, she, she's my in, if that makes sense. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, but Forrest was my campus minister back in the day, and I was a knucklehead at campus. So despite that great intro, I, I'm just grateful to have him here and grateful to be with you guys and uh, be able to uh, spend some time with you guys. So, the title of my lesson this morning is... This clicker will work. There we, Okay, too much. Hold on. One more. There we go. Sensitive. I'm getting it down here. But it's, uh, he who is forgiven much, loves much. And um, I think for this sermon, it's in Luke 7 if you guys want to start turning there, but in order for me to... Um, Preach this sermon. I got to give a little bit of you know a little bit of info beforehand. Christianity is unique to all other religions in in one sense in particular, um, and it, it's the idea of grace. Is that all other religions? It's this idea that um, you you perform, you put in the work, you obtain some sort of enlightenment, and then you earn the passing grade, and then you make your way to some sort of good afterlife. Does that make sense? Uh, a lot of them have this imagery of, of scales. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you get the passing grade and, hey, well, welcome through the pearly gates. Christianity is, is the one religion where that isn't the case. Okay, Christianity is, is the one religion where it says, listen, I'm not going to get in according to my own good deeds, but I'm going to rely on someone else to help me get the passing grade. And in a sense, it's we... We're kind of there, and then we just pile up all of our, our, our bad deeds, because really, you know, we, we fall short, and that's what the Bible says. And then we have this great Savior who loves us so, so, so much, who piles on his mountains of good deeds that tips the scale in our favor, despite how wretched we can be, and we get it. And that is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. Amen? Amen. And because of that, we see so many good conversions, especially in Christianity and throughout the Bible. I mean, you see so many. Look at Zacchaeus. I mean, he's, he, he says, no, he's so convicted by Jesus coming in. He says, I'm going to pay back everything I owe. And if I, if I cheated anyone, I'm going to pay him multiple times over. Crazy repentance. We see Saul repent from persecuting the church to suddenly preaching the gospel. These crazy, crazy, crazy conversions. We see Acts 2 of these people who were probably in the mob yelling crucify him earlier. And then we see them repent, you know, say Jesus is Lord, get baptized, and then live in a culture that's totally um, different from what they were doing before. We see these radical transformations. Now let's fast forward 2,000 years to 14-year-old Zach Anton. Okay? And at my church at the time, they, they decided that they were going to do, everyone that had gotten baptized throughout that year was going to come up and share their testimony. Okay, so, I, so, I, so it's, it's me, I'm 14, I had very big hair at that time, it didn't grow down, it grew out, so that, that was really fun. And um, so I, I'm, I'm finally there, and, um, and uh, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm waiting in line to share this. I, it's kind of one of those things where it's, they're like, you're doing your testimony. I'm like, what? I, I just walked into midweek, all these kind of things. I had no prep time. 
And then not only that, I'm 14, zero public speaking experience. And I have to share my testimony. But I have two people go before me. And the two people that went before me, one was a man who was a drug addict. and was, it, it was hooked on uh, crack cocaine for years. Okay? And then totally repented, turned his life around, and had like people in tears. Okay? Everyone is in tears at, at, at this midweek service of just like, wow, God is so great. And, you know, all these great things. And then the second one was was a woman who was a dancer at a gentleman's club in Las Vegas who went through crazy amounts of abuse. Okay, and again, same thing. Everyone's up there just like, oh my God, like just crying for, for this woman. And then 14-year-old Zach Anton takes the pulpit and I go on to share something about like this. You know, um, I was in the teen ministry, and you know that, that that's where you go after Kingdom Kids class. <laughs> that's just what happens, and and um, so yeah. And then um, Albert came up to me and asked me to study the Bible. I didn't want to at first, but then eventually convinced me. And then um, shucks, you know, I'm I'm not too sure. And then I guess I studied the Bible. You know, I, I did the word study, and, the, and then I did discipleship and sin and cross. And then uh, repentance, baptism, church, and then I got baptized. So that is my conversion story. And it was so lame. Like the worst, the worst conversion story ever. You know what the reason was? Is because I wasn't in touch with grace at that point. And those people were. And one of the reasons those people were in touch with grace is because they saw their sin. They saw how they had fallen short. They saw that, that hey, there's no way I'm going to get in. I need a savior in my life. And I hadn't gotten to that point yet. And it was a long journey before I finally got to that point. I'm going to share a little bit more about that later. But I'm just sharing that story. One, because this scripture is so important to me. Because I had this completely off and wrong as like this religiously proud like kingdom kid brat that I was. right? To kind of like getting to this moment. And this is one of the scriptures that really stood out to me. So with that in mind, let's go over to Luke 7. It reads, verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii is a day's wage. So basically you can think of it as two years wages versus two months wages. Verse 42, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with their hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I have entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. 
You did not put oil on, on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So, try your best to picture this scene. Okay, so Jesus up till this point has, he's gotten some momentum going in his ministry. And he's, he's kind of a big deal up till this point. Because not only is he preaching, but he's also preaching things that, that, that are a little bit borderline for the culture at that point. But then he's also doing this miraculous, these like signs, which are just blowing people's minds. They're like, whoa, who is this guy? So before he would go into a town, it was kind of like he had his, his crew with him that would oftentimes travel with him. So you can imagine that all of a sudden, you know, the, the news gets out that Jesus is coming to town. Jesus is coming to town. You can imagine, it goes out, no, Jesus is coming to town. Attention, everyone, like, you, get, you better get ready. Jesus is coming. He eats with sinners. He heals the sick. He forgives sins. Jesus is here. He slices. He dices. He's, he's all that. He's coming. And then, then, then he gets there, and then, you know, all other people would then suddenly hear about this. You know, and then they start thinking, oh, this is Jesus. I can't wait to see him. And then they start thinking through, all right, like, what, what, what are my thoughts about this Jesus guy coming my way? He seems to be pretty cool. He seems to be pretty powerful. He's preaching some radical things. I don't know. But there's two people that we need to focus on their reactions to this news. One is Simon. Imagine the, the news coming out. Jesus is coming. He, he, he eats with sinners, heals the sick, forgives sins. And what does he think to himself? It's not... Oh, I need my sins forgiven. It's no that he, he he gets his kind of Pharisee guys together. They get in a huddle and they come up with this plot to embarrass Jesus in front of the town. This Jesus who's serving them, who's coming to heal the sick, forgive sinners, love them. They come up with this kind of plot to kind of put him in his place. So what do they do? They wait for him to finish teaching. And he says, hey, why don't you come over to mine for some lunch? It's, you know, it's going to be a great time and we, we can hear you teach there. And Jesus, he says, all right, you know, he, Jesus doesn't seem to ever reject a meal invitation for whatever reason. A lot like the Campus Brothers, maybe. But uh, so, so he, he goes over and at this time, there, there, there's a few things that were very traditional. OK, and one was how you greet someone when they come into your house. So even today, if someone rocks up at, at, at your house, you wouldn't just leave them at the door open and say, hey, and then walk away. Right? There, there's a few things that we would do. If they have a coat, what do you ask? Can I, can, can I take your coat? You put it up. Hey, how are you? Great to see you. Give them a hug. Why don't you take a seat? And then what's the last thing that we always ask, especially in the UK? You want a cup of tea? That's right. That's always what happens. That seems to be the protocol of how you welcome someone into your house. That seems to be the protocol here, too. It's not, not the exact same one. It's a little bit different. I'll explain. But when people came into your house, you've got to keep in mind that they're in the Middle East. It's dusty. They've been out on the road. So what you would do is when you welcome someone in, is you welcome them with a kiss, oil for their head, and then you would wash their feet because they were wearing sandals. And with you know the sand and the dirt, you know it, 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 it would get gross. So you'd wash their feet before they came into your house. But then Simon comes up with the with this plot, he welcomes everyone into his house. He gives them a kiss, puts oil on their head, washes their feet. But who's the one guy he snubs? Jesus. 
this plot to like embarrass Jesus in front of all these people. You know, you, you see so much pride in that. You know, like this, this religious pride of, oh, you think you're a new teacher in town. Let me show you who's really boss. No, the son of God embarrassed because of this plot that he comes up with. Now we have a second character in this mix too, right? Imagine the news goes out. You know, this, this, this woman is known as a sinful woman. And she carried a, a jar of al- alabaster jar of perfume, which most people think that she was a prostitute. And this perfume was used in her profession. So imagine the news going out. She's probably at the brothel at this time or wherever she was hanging out. Jesus is in town. Jesus is in town. He eats with sinners, heals the sick, forgives sins. Wait, he, he eats with sinners. Yeah, he eats with sinners. He heals the sick. Yeah, he heals the sick. He forgives sins. Yeah, he forgives sins. He's all those things. Oh, but not me. No way. I'm, I'm way too far gone for that. I mean, look, look where I am right now. There's no way. Like, I'm, I'm beyond saving at this point. They're like, no. No, you're not. He eats with sinners. He forgives sins. It's all right. She's like, where is he? Where is he? Oh, he's at Simon's house right now. And what does she do? She rushes over there. She would have faced a few hardships on the way. One was that it was usually a gated house or like back garden area. So she would have had a, found a way to kind of like sneak in to this dinner party that she wasn't invited to. And the second one was the Pharisees were religious leaders, but they almost had like a government position at this time. And they had authority to carry out laws and to carry out punishments. So when she comes in, you know, she's facing not just the Pharisees, but she's facing these, these Pharisees, but they can also make her face some serious consequences if they catch her. And especially in the Old Testament law, the, the, you know, the penalty for being a prostitute was not nice, was not nice at all. She, I mean, she was, she was facing potential stoning. We'll just put it that way. But yet she goes past all these things, sneaks in the back door, however she did it. Maybe she tunneled under. I'm not sure. But somehow she gets in, right? And then what's the scene that greets her? It's everyone else with these clean feet, oil on their head, and the one guy who's offering her salvation, embarrassed in front of everyone. So what does she do? She does the one thing that she can. She drops to her feet. She wipes his feet with her tears and pours this perfume on her. Such an act of love. Like deep love for Jesus here. Are you guys with me on that? Deep love for Jesus. And this is why it goes on to say, he says, you know, this, this woman has loved much. She has loved me much in this sense. And I think, you know, raise your hand if you want to be like Simon. No, raise your hand if you want to be like the woman. That's right. We all want to be like the woman, right? Because she loved Jesus much. She was willing to do whatever it took, face any sort of boundary, face the potential of death, face the the potential social embarrassment. You know, who cares what people think? Who cares what happens to me? I have a chance at salvation. I'm taking it. She loved him much. She was grateful for the opportunity. Got to flip the slide. All right. But the thing we got to ask ourselves is because none of us want to be like Simon. We all want to be like the simple woman is we got to ask ourselves, what was the difference between them? So with the sinful woman, here's the big thing. She saw the depth of her sin and lostness before God. I mean, her sin was very apparent to her because it was sleeping in the bed with her. 
almost every night. It would have been very obvious, very um, clear in her face. Whereas Simon, how did he view himself? Yeah, he's like, look at me, I'm pretty good, right? Not all, like, imagine the pride you would have to have to come up with a plot to embarrass Jesus and then call this woman a sinner as he's having compassion and love of God towards her. You know, no way did he see his sin in that sense. Next one, she saw Jesus, and what did she see him as? She, saw, she valued him as an opportunity for forgiveness and salvation in him. Whereas Simon, he saw Jesus, what did he see him as? He, he did not value, did not recognize the opportunity for salvation, but also was competitive towards him. Saw him as someone that he needed to put down to elevate self. Very little love for Jesus. And then lastly, you know, she loved Jesus deeply out of appreciation. You don't do the things that she did unless you truly love someone. Unless you truly have deep appreciation for them. Whereas Simon, little love for Jesus. Very little love for Jesus. And then he goes on to explain this parable. He says... You know, after this has happened, Jesus is like, all right, I, I got to take care of this situation in his normal fashion, which is, you know, everyone listen to me while I tell a parable and kind of embarrass the hosts of the party. This is usually what, what Jesus did. And he tells this parable and he says, two people owe money. One owes 500 denarii, 500 days wage, and the other 50. Both of them have their debts forgiven by the, by, by the master. Which one will love more? And he says, yeah, it's, it's the one who had 500. And he says... You know, you have judged correctly. It's, it's, it's kind of like for us, if, if you were to suddenly receive a job, would you be more grateful for the job if you had gone two years without having a job or two months without having a job? Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty clear here, right? And with all of this, I think the point of this is not that, because I'm, I'm talking to the teens here, okay? Is, uh, I work with teens in West London. I kind of grew up in the church, so I think I have a little bit of a finger of what's going on in the teen head. Sometimes, at least some, some of the time. But I think sometimes um, the point of this scripture is, oh, you only have 50 denarii worth of sin. You only have 50. Why don't you go off and sin more so that you have 500 and then you'll be more grateful when you come back, right? No, no, no. I wish this made more of a dramatic sound. No, that's not what it's saying. The point of this story is that we all have 500. Yeah. No one has 50. Yeah. You know, if you're comparing and looking at yourself as better than someone else, no, we're all at 500. And you teens right now who are saying the, the crowd, you have 500. I know that you might have trouble seeing it sometimes, but you're in deep. You need a savior. You need, with, without Jesus, you're toast. That, that's the reality of the scripture. All right, I'm not being mean. That's just what it is. That we all need a savior in our lives. Amen. And even for me, like I got up and I shared my testimony and it was so weak. It was, I was 14. I got up and it wasn't, it wasn't because I didn't have sin in my life. I had tons of sin in my life. I had the worst kind of sin in my life. And, you know, I had the, the religious, you know, I was a hypocrite sin in my life. I remember, you know, so many things. I remember, um, even up till that point, um, I, I got to the point where I was kind of like part of this high school Bible discussion, e even at that age. And I remember kind of coming forth and, and telling people in this high school Bible discussion, you know, it's wrong to it's wrong to drink. It's wrong to have immoral relationships. It's wrong to do drugs. It's wrong to party like all, all these different things. 
But yet I had done all of those things three days earlier at, on the weekend with my girlfriend that I had at the time. But I had been very careful not to get my picture taken. So it didn't end up on Facebook. And so people at church didn't find out. You know, that's the kind of sin that I had going on. But yet I, in my, I don't know, aloofness and my arrogance, I didn't see the ways that I was falling short of God's grace. And this is a lot like what Simon is in right now, is that he had tons of sin, tons of arrogance. Look at what he's done. He's in the same boat as this sinful woman, but he can't see it. He can't see it. He can't see that he has 500. He's not the one with 50 in this. Um, And it reminds me of a scripture. Romans 6, verse 23, says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I love this scripture because it draws this comparison between a wage and a gift. You know, when, when I was in university, I worked at um, this place called Abanpan. Um, it is a sandwich shop, and uh, I got paid minimum wage. Not proud of it. <laughs> but when I worked that, I earned a wage for my actions. I would put in hours, and I would earn a wage. And did I earn that wage? Yeah, every, you know, every six, $6.50 of it, every hour, I earned that, right? But the likewise is the same for us in our sin, is that, you know, we have earned up to this point death. For our sin. That's what the scriptures say. Is that we have earned death for our sin. But yet, on the flip, uh, the flip side of that is that we have a God who's willing to gift us. You know, a gift is not something that's earned. It's something that's given through someone else's goodwill. When you were a little kid and you woke up and you, know, you, you, you came downstairs and saw all the presents on Christmas Day. You know, that's not because you did anything that great. If anything, you just cost your parents money up till that point. <laughs> But they gave you that out of a sense of goodwill for you, out of a sense of of love and appreciation. But I think this is where we can sometimes get in trouble, is that we live in this kind of um, postmodern society where we never want to make anyone feel bad. And there's a sense of that which is good, okay? But if we're not careful, um, we don't really show where we are in the scriptures before God, before salvation, does that make sense? Is sometimes that, you know, if we're not careful, you know, we're not always in touch with the ways that we fall short. And that's actually really important because to appreciate the gift, a lot of times you first have to appreciate the wage and the ways that you've fallen short in that. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me on that? No, there's, there's a story. And some of you guys might have heard this. Any cool analogy that I use in this sermon by is stolen. So don't think I'm like sweet or anything. But there's a story. Let's say... Um, is Jordan Tobogu here? Yes, he is. Hello, Jordan. Good to see you. Jordan, um, he was in our old team ministry, Karen Ammo, we, and Rebecca and I, we all worked in the Four Rivers this was before it split, and Jordan was in our team ministry. Um, can I use you for the analogy too, King? All right. So let's say Jordan is on the tube in London one day, all right? And, and, and he's going through, and all of a sudden he sees one of the, the adverts on the tube, and it says, come to Las Vegas. Where your wild side has a wild side. And he sees that and he's like, man, that looks so cool. I'm going to go. That looks like an awesome trip. I'm going out there right now. But wait, there's one problem. I'm in uni and I have zero money. <laughs> Been eating pot noodle all semester. So what does he decide to do? He decides to open up a credit card with no limit. Okay, so he opens up this credit card. 
And he decides, you know, I'm, 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 going, I'm going to Vegas, man. This is it. I'm going to have fun. So he swipes his credit card, buys a first-class ticket. First-class ticket. The best for you, man. And he flies over, and he goes to Vegas. And once he's there, he goes crazy. He's in the casinos. You know, he's betting it all on black, you know. You know whatever. Texas Hold'em. Oh, you know, the, the whole nine yards. He's in the clubs. He's having parties. He's getting bottle service. He's getting stretch limousines. He's getting high roller flats, bedding, shows, whatever you name it. He's in it, right? And he does this lifestyle for a few months on end. And he decides, you know what? I, I got to go back and finish uni. It's time now. I can't live this way forever. My mom's calling me. I got to get back. I got you, you know. And so he decides that, all right, I'm finally going to come back. So he... Swipes the credit card. He swipes the credit card. He's like, man, this thing's coming handy, man. This is pretty awesome. I haven't really been keeping track of anything, but it's nice to have this. I wouldn't be able to do this. Swipes it, comes back over to the States. And he's sitting there and sitting in his house, and Kenny's hanging out with him. All right, and they're sitting in the halls. Where do you live? Do you live in halls? Okay, so he's sitting in his hall. Kenny's in there because, you know, he's on the one-year challenge and he's serving. He's an awesome guy. And they're hanging out and they're having, they're having time, they're having D-time. And then all of a sudden, a knock comes at his door. And there's, there's two situations I want you to think about, all right? The knock comes at his door. And then all of a sudden, the dreaded day has arrived. Because does credit card debt ever go away? No. It stays with you. So all of a sudden, the, 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 the bill comes. The knock at the door comes. And then this is the first situation. Before Jordan can get up and answer the door, Kenny gets up, answers the door, takes the mail, says, oh, thank you. And he sees this from a credit card company, opens up the mail, and he, he sees it. And he's like, man, this is a lot of money you owe, Jordan. But you know what? I love you, man. I'm going to pay this for you. <laughs> Kenny's a great guy, man. <laughs> Would Jordan be grateful for that? Yeah, he, he, he'd be grateful, right? He, he'd be appreciative of it. Now, let's take a second scenario, okay? Knock at the door. Jordan gets up before Kenny, opens up the door. He gets the bill, opens up the bill, and he looks at the bill. He's like, what in the world? Like, what have I done? He sees, like, bottle service, first-class flights, blackjack. <laughs> high roller suites, high roller suite, high roller suite, stretch limousines, no Uber for him, only the stretch. And he looks down at the bottom number and he sees it. He's like, man, there is no way I'm going to pay this back. Not if I worked for my entire life would I be able to pay this back. You know, I am in trouble. I am in so much trouble. And then Kenny gets up takes the bill from him, and he says, Whoa, Jordan, this is pretty big, but don't worry, man. I'm going to pay. I got gotcha. you. Which one would he be more grateful for? The second one, right? Why? Because he knows. He gets the gift. He appreciates the gift now. And why does he appreciate the gift? Is because he's seen the bill. He's seen how he's fallen short. Simon didn't see how he fell short. The sinful woman did. Let's carry on with this scenario, okay? So situation one, Jordan hasn't seen the bill. A few months go by. Kenny calls him up and he's like, hey man, I'm stuck down in London. Um, I lost my Oyster card. I got, I got no way to get up there. I got no money. I need you to come down and take a train down to London to take me back up and, and pay for my train up. But man, would, would you please, please, please do it? 
Would Jordan do it? He's a pretty good guy. He'd probably do it, right? Because Jordan, you know, amen, Jordan. I'm, I'm, I have faith in you, all right? So I think Jordan would do it, but wouldn't he do it with a good heart? No, he'd do it begrudgingly. He'd be like, oh, I get that he paid my debt, but I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it was uh, some. I'm, I'm not sure how much, but man, it's like 3 a.m. I got an exam the next morning. All right, whatever, let's, let's go. He goes down. I mean, how, how would he greet him at the train terminal? Oh, uh, hey, Kenny, good to see you. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. Why don't we go? Here's the money. Yeah, let's, 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 let's go. Now, let's take this situation, too. Jordan has seen the bill, and then he gets that phone call. What would his reaction be? Oh, you're stuck? Oh, don't worry. Don't call anyone else. I'm on my way down right now. No, I've been waiting for an opportunity to pay you back, man. I love you. I'm on my way. No, don't call anyone. You know what? Just don't worry. I'm on my way. So, you know, takes the bullet train down. Sees Kenny. You know what we need to do? He'd probably buy some, like, snacks. You know, like some, some like, road trip games, cars that they could play on the, the train back. How does he react when he sees Kenny? Kenny, great! To, oh man, I love, great to see you, man. Can't wait for this trip. Come on, get on the train. You know, it's, it's crazy the difference between the two, right? Now we got to ask ourselves the correct question: What kind of Christianity do we want to live out? The kind that's dragging our feet to pick up Kenny from the airport, just kind of doing whatever we know we should do. Or do we want to live out the Christianity that's like jumping for joy? Don't worry, I'm on my way down. I think we all want to be that second scenario, don't we? But what does that require? It's first seeing how we've fallen short like the sinful woman did. Amen, you guys still with me? Okay, um, I need someone else. Who can I? Um, where's uh, where are the teen guys? All right, Kenny, can, can I use you again? Okay, sorry, Kenny. Um, I'm not calling you this. All right, this is for the sake of the analogy, and you're in the hot seat. Sorry. All right. Um, so many times we use the word sinner casually. You know, like, oh, I'm just a sinner. I just fall short. I'm just human. Can you guys relate to that? We use that in our culture and our society. Um, which one hurts more, Kenny? Or if I say, hey, Kenny, you're a sinner? Or if I say, Kenny, you're a liar and a thief? Yeah, liar and a thief, right? I'm not calling you that. I love you, Kenny. You're, you're, you're the hero in the last story, all right? It just works out. Um, you know, but why, why does it hurt more? It's because it means more, right? Now, which one are you going to be more grateful for? Knowing that you're forgiven and knowing, hey, I'm a sinner. Or knowing that you're forgiven and knowing, hey, I was a liar and a thief. You're going to be more grateful for the one that means more, right? You guys with me on that so far? And, and, and even for me, I remember when I finally got it. I finally got it. And I remember I was sitting in, you know, I was, I was rethinking a lot of stuff. And I was finally 22. It was like eight years later. And I was sitting in my, in my grandmother's, you know, guest room or whatever it is, Thanksgiving break. And I read through Luke 11, woe to you Pharisees, because you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside, you're full of sin, man. Woe to you, because you, you know, you, you tie the tenth of your mint and herbs, but you neglect the love and justice of God. Like, you should have, you know, put more importance on what was really important. And then I finally saw, and at the end, what does it say about those people? It says, the blood of all the prophets from the beginning of time to now will be on your hands. And I remember seeing that and being like, man, I, this is me to a T. How does God view this? He views it as gross and disgusting. Look at this sin. And then thinking, too, these are the same group of people who arrested Jesus in the garden, tried him falsely, 
got the crowd riled up to yell crucify him in that moment. They were directly responsible for manipulating the situation to put Jesus on the cross. He willingly did it because he loved us. But that's who they were. And then I remember thinking, man, I have fallen short. I have 500. I am the worst of all sinners. But then at the same time, realizing, man, he's kept me around the church this long, that he's loved me so much that he's giving me this opportunity to repent. I am deeply loved. I am deeply loved. And, so, you know, I was so grateful to finally come to that realization. It's what I was truly searching for all of that time. And I think for all of us here, you know, um, may, maybe you're here and you've been unmotivated. Maybe you have been dragging your feet to the airport to pick up Kenny. Literally, or maybe unliterally. Or whatever it is in, in your Christian walk. Let me encourage you, go back and reflect on your conversion. Go back and reflect on the ways that you've fallen short. Not just then, but every day since then, just like we have. And that you have this incredibly loving God who is willing to pay that debt for you still. And let that motivate you to be fired up to do God's will in your everyday life. Let me encourage the teens here. Even for you guys. I, I, I know you guys get built up all the time. All the time. <laughs> and I respect you guys so, so, so much. But let me remind you is that you have 500. We're all at 500. And just because you've grown up in the church, just because you've been a Christian a little while, just because your parents are Christian, just because you haven't done things that the kids at your school haven't done, so did Simon. But yet he fell short. And how does God rebuke the people with the same sin as Simon, especially in Luke 11? Harsh. You know, we need that salvation. You know, it's always important to remember that. And let me, let me encourage you to it. Maybe if you're not a Christian and you're here visiting for the first time, I encourage you, God loves us so much. The, the, the degree which, which God has loved me in my life blows my mind. If, you know, if any part of this has stood out to you, let me encourage you and you know, really implore you to look into this. Look into this Jesus guy who for no reason at all other than he loves you would take on your bill. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, have you guys ever heard the analogy that um, you know, understanding our sin is a lot like a slingshot? Have you guys ever heard that? That the farther down you go into understanding the ways that you fall short and understanding your sinfulness the more you'll be propelled towards living a life in Christ. Does that make sense? Um, so with that in mind, I have a little bit of an analogy for you guys, okay? Um, can I get... Can you two guys help me with this? Okay. So I made this. It's a, a catapult made out of a bunch of cords and duct tape. I am from America. <laughs> yeah, can you guys hold that? I'll hold that, right? Alright, just hold above there and just right there. Perfect. Okay, so with this in mind, let's say, alright, so I lost these guys that I made earlier. Also, by the way, nothing's more awkward than your wife coming home and she sees you making <laughs> I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it at all. But here we go. Here we have this situation, right? So we have Simon. It's, I know it's not the same guy. It's, it's but we have Simon. He did not see the depth of his sin and lostness. So did he go deep down in this? No. Was not deep. Did not value or recognize the opportunity for a Savior in his life and therefore love Jesus very little. Okay, let's maybe. 
<laughs> so, did he go down deep? So, how far did he go? Not very far, right? Alright, now I need, uh, where's some team boy? Raise your hand. I see one that, Elliot, yeah, and then you two. Can you guys head back there? I need you guys to catch yourself. Okay. Where's the sinful woman? Where's my sugar? <laughs> I just want to ask us the question of what Christianity do we want to live out? Do we want to live out the Christianity that's dragging our feet? That's, you know, doing things begrudgingly? That isn't willing to really humble out and see the ways that we've fallen short of God? And then live the unfulfilled, just kind of dragging our feet bitter lifestyle? Or do we want to live the Christianity that sees it, humbles out, is like the sinful woman? You know, and soars. You know, is willing to do whatever it takes for Christ. I know you guys all have dreams in here for what you want to do for God. Uh, even talking to the teens at campus, I know a lot of you guys. You know, I, I, I know we all have dreams of things that we want to accomplish for Christ. Let me encourage all of us. The way there is through first understanding the ways that we have fallen short, humbling ourselves to that idea, and then letting God's grace propel us through that awesome life that we want in Christ. Thank you guys so much for letting me speak. Appreciate it.